We're talking to, about having a heart for God. And so take your Bibles. I want you to open them. I've titled this Tin Man Christianity. You remember his desire for a heart, for a heart. What's it mean to have a heart for God? Isn't this what God had said in his word? He said this in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with what? What's it say? All of your what? Let's say it out loud. All of your what? Everyone? Everyone? You didn't stop by the coffee table on the way, did you? 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, God said to Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks where, everyone? At the heart. God looks at the heart. Psalmist said in 27, verse 8, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, O Lord, do I seek. Can we at Harvest Reading say as the psalmist does in 33, 21, our heart is glad in him. I'm going to look at the heart in four, this four-part series in four ways. Healing the broken heart. That's number one. That's for today. Healing the broken heart. Number two, dealing with a religious heart. That's next week. Third, we'll look at washing a dirty heart. And then fourth, we'll look at capturing a wandering heart. Today's message title is Healing a Broken Heart. Have you ever broken anything? Raise your hand. Have you ever broken anything? I can remember standing up to the plate in my backyard, and we used to play baseball, loved baseball, and so I came up to the plate ready to hit the ball, and so I got a real good piece of that ball, and that thing went flying out of my yard into the neighbor's yard and right into the window and shattered it. And so I scattered, and I was hiding. I was so afraid of our neighbor, and so we were in the bushes just hiding out, and I'm listening to my neighbor, who did this? And they were so mad, and I was so scared. Have you ever broken anything? Let me ask you another question. When was the first time your heart was broken? How about when a girlfriend breaks up with you or a boyfriend breaks up with you and goes out with your best friend? Has that ever happened to you? That happened to me my senior year. Let's go a little bit further and a little bit deeper than just that because there are things that are much, much harder than that. Usually when a heart is broken, it has something to do with loss and separation, like the loss of a parent, maybe a loss of a grandparent, maybe a divorce, betrayal from a friend, maybe loss of a child, maybe abandonment. Our heart can be broken in many, many ways, right? So if I say to you, listen, church, lean up on the edge of your seat, take another swig of your coffee, because I want you to hear this word from the Lord. This isn't a word from man. This is going to be a word out of the scripture from God. Do you believe that? You're going to have to hear it by the power of the Spirit of God because if it's not by the Spirit of God, it's all just going to be natural. It's not going to be supernatural. Our heart can break in many, many different ways, right? Let me see if I can illustrate that by using this vase. This was handed down to me. It was actually, my brother gave this to us, my grandmother's. And so let's just pretend or just for sake of illustration that this is our heart that's valuable to us, but our heart can be broken in so many different ways. We can make a decision, right, that could lead to a broken heart. We can have a circumstance that can lead to a broken heart, right? We can actually have someone else break our heart, right? Whoa. And so and it can also 
you know, be something that just kind of comes into our life and, and we just slip it. No, I can't believe it. I'll have to talk to my, my brother about that. How has your heart been broken? Was it something that you did? Was it a decision that you made? Was it just because it's something in your life slipped or maybe somebody came and hit your life and it caused your heart to be broken? Was it a decision that you made like David's? We're going to look into the life of David. The tin man wanted a heart. You heard that in the song. Do you want a heart for God? Do you want a heart for God? If you want a heart for God, you have to have a heart healed by God. The heart was first broken in the garden, Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 3 and also chapter 6 and verse 5. Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and what? It's desperately wicked. It's crooked. It's torturous. That word deceitful means it's it's uneven. It's desperately sick, which means incurable. The fall of man broke the heart of man. Romans 1.21 says their foolish hearts were darkened. It's called original sin. All of the human race's heart has been broken. It was broken in a garden. The son of God's heart was broken in a garden, not because of his sin, but because of the sins of the world. And so he's in the garden of Gethsemane and his heart is breaking. Sin breaks hearts. The fall of man is where it started. So how do you get a healing? Let's go to Psalm 38. Psalm 38. I want to look into the life of David. Here in this chapter, David has made some decisions that led to his broken heart, to his circumstances, to his situations that he's struggling with. And I want to look at three ways that a heart can be healed. Number one. Write these in. If you like to jot things down, write them in. If you have a handout, healing a broken heart comes by going to the one whose heart we broke with an honest and serious expression of our compromise. Verses 1 to 8. When we look at our relationship with God, we got to think in terms that are very similar to our relationships with other people. Not that God will sin against us like people will sin against us, but we're in a personal relationship with a God who is alive, but we're also in relationship with human beings. And so there are some similarities. I could do something to cause a break and a division in my relationship with God. God will not do anything to break a, and have a division towards me. I will do that towards him. I will do that towards you. You'll do it towards one another. It happens all the time, especially in marriage relationships. Here in the Psalms, David is looking at his life in this way. He knows that he has done some things and made some decisions that led to where he's at in this 38th Psalm. God didn't do anything to cause the issues in David's life. In fact, God has always been faithful to David. It was David who was unfaithful to God. But how often in our own lives, when things go sideways and things are horribly hard, that we tend to blame God. We tend to look at God and say, God, where were you? You faltered. You weren't there for me. 
This wasn't God. This was us. God has always been there. He's always been faithful. He is a good God. I've been in this place before where I looked to God and I said, God, you must have done something wrong. You haven't come to my rescue. You haven't been there for me. I want you to look at verses 1 down to verse 8. Verse 3 particularly, David says, there's no health in my bones because of my sin. Notice verse 3. Jump down to verse 4. He calls it my iniquities. It's for my iniquities, my sin. Verse 5, because of my foolishness. I don't know about you, but I've done some foolish things in my Christian life. Have you ever done anything that has been foolish? You have made the decision, and now you find yourself maybe not in close fellowship with Jesus? You're grieving the Spirit of God? David's finding himself in that place in the 38th Psalm. He opens up verse 1 by saying, rebuke me not. Notice it, verse 1. Rebuke me not. In other words, God, be merciful to me. Be merciful to me. I am a broken man, and I am broken at the deepest parts of who I am, and I'm broken because I have compromised. I have chosen to walk away. I have chosen to do things that aren't pleasing to you. This is where David's at. Verse 2, look at it. He says, your arrows have sunk into me. What a descriptive expression. The arrows of God. And there's other verses that talk about the same thing. An arrow being shot into him figuratively. He feels that pain. He feels that piercing inside of him. I love this about David because he's doing something that's going to lead to his healed heart, and that is expressing himself. God, I have compromised. I'm expressing where, where this has gone wrong. And this is how I feel. Verse 3, no soundness in my flesh, he says. His own body was being affected by that. There's no health in my bones. Verse 4, heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Verse 5, my wounds stink and fester. Verse 6, I'm utterly bowed down and prostrate. Verse 7, burning, he mentions. Verse 8, I am feeble. I groan. David is in distress. He has a broken heart because of his decisions, because of what he did. Now, we're all guilty of this at various times in our life. But I also realize that not all of the issues that we go through, all of the trauma that we've been through, all of the pain that we're experiencing is because of a decision that we've made. Maybe somebody else made that decision and hurt you. Are you with me on that? Have you ever had somebody betray you, turn on you, slander you, lie about you, hurt you deeply with words? Maybe it's a circumstance that has broken your heart. Like we looked at, a divorce or an abandonment or a loss of a child, and that's broken your heart. It's the same thing in all of those I just mentioned. Here's how you do it. Here's how you get a healed heart. You go to God. You go to God. But you're going to God expressing yourself. Verbal expression, God. This is where I'm at. This is what's happened. God, I am saying with my words, God, the pain inside of my heart is too much for me to bear. I'm expressing myself. You might have chosen to sin against God, and that's why you have a broken heart. Somebody else sinned against you, that's why you have a broken heart or maybe a traumatic circumstance, and that's why you have a broken heart. It's all the same approach. This is how you get a healing. You go to God. You're transparent with him. You're open. You're vulnerable. You're saying to him, God, I've compromised. I've compromised in the area of bitterness. I've gotten rage inside of my soul because somebody has hurt me so deeply. God, I've gotten to the place of not forgiving the person that I need to forgive. God, I need wisdom. I know I haven't walked in wisdom. I've walked in fear. I've walked in faithlessness. This is what it means to express yourself to God in the areas that you've compromised. 
This is so very important for a healed heart. Healing happens in the honesty. It happens when we get it out, get it out. You've got to say something to God. I knew a man whose two-year-old son had wandered away from mom, and he was at work and wandered away from mom, went into the backyard, made it through the gate into the swimming pool, and drowned. And that little boy was at the bottom of the swimming pool. It was too late to save him. So the father obviously was called. This traumatic experience was just so incredible. And so what did he do? He expressed himself. He's driving around and he's crying out to God and he's saying, God, why? God, how come I wasn't there? God, what happened? I don't understand the pain level of this traumatic experience. Why my son? Why my son? And he's driving around the city and he's sweating profusely because he's, he's emoting all of that emotional energy out. Then he pulls back into his driveway and just grabs his wife and they try to make it through that. This man was going down the steps, the right steps of ultimate healing. He didn't know it at the time. It wasn't their fault that this happened. See, some of it's our fault, right? Some of it's our decisions. Some of it's somebody else's decisions that came against you, and sometimes it's just circumstantial, and we don't understand all the reasons, but it's the same thing. Express yourself to God in the area of your compromise. Number two, you get the healing in the heart by giving to the one whose heart we broke a humble and sincere evaluation of our condition. This is in verses 9 down to verse 14. This is where we understand what has happened We know the place that we're in. We start to look at our condition in a really objective, spiritual, and really straightforward way. He begins verse 9 by saying, O Lord. Look at verse 9, O Lord. And then then he he does this using this word of of this, this O Lord transitioning his thoughts. He's expressing the compromise. Now he's transitioning and he's moving towards this this sincere evaluation of the condition of his life. Look at verse 9. All my longing is before you. Verse 10, my heart. Look at this. My heart throbs. My heart throbs. Now, if you're from the 80s, you might have remembered a little phrase called a what? A heart throb, a teen heart throb. This is not what I'm talking about. Take a peek here. Do we have that picture here? Who is that? That's Kirk Cameron. Can anybody guess what TV show that was? Growing Pants. This is not what we're talking about. When David is saying, my heart is throbbing. It's not a teen. It's not, it's not thrive. It's like this, this heart of mine is ready to, to burst. It's so broken that it's ready to bust out. It's throbbing. My heart rate is up. Uh, my my uh, blood pressure is raging because of the pain that he's in. The pain that he had caused. That came upon him. You see, it wasn't God who strayed away. It was David who strayed away. But David knows that. He knows his condition. Look at verse 11. Verse 11, he says, My friends and my companions stand aloof from my plague, and my nearest kin stand far off. In other words, he's lonely. The people that he once knew are not there anymore. There's this isolation. He's looking at his surroundings and his circumstances, and 
and he's evaluating it accurately. It's the same thing that you and I need to do. We need to see things spiritually. We need to see things from the vantage point of God. And so if your heart's been broken recently, or maybe it was broken years ago and you're trying to get over the brokenness, it's going to be the same thing that David's doing here. You've got to know your condition. Let me ask you a question. What is your spiritual condition? How are you doing spiritually? If I asked you that out in the lobby after church, how are you doing spiritually? Are you able to evaluate that? Are you able to say, you know what, I'm not doing really well. I'm not really walking in a full trust in God. I haven't really walked in the wisdom that God has said he would give me in my life. Do you know your condition? See things from God's vantage point. See things spiritually. Evaluate. It's amazing how many Christians struggle with this. It's called discernment. It's called discernment. And I really believe that God's trying to get us as believers to get to this place where we see things supernaturally, not naturally. In other words, something happened to your life, something's happened to mine many, many times. How are we going to view that? Are we going to view it through the sovereignty of God? Are we going to view it through the goodness of God, the mercy of God? Are you going to view it the way that he is viewing it? But if you're not viewing it the way that he's viewing it, you're viewing it the way that your flesh wants to view it, and you'll never, ever see it correctly. I think David was blind for a while. Obviously, when Nathan the prophet went to him about Bathsheba, his eyes were open. So there's these moments where we're going to be blindsided. It's really cool to see so many people at Harvest Reading starting to get that aha moment about some things in their world. And they're just like, whoa, I've never seen this before. They got both things happening in their life. They got this expression that is almost, you can't even contain it. They're just, they're just like, wow, I just want more of God, and, and I, just want him, I just want him completely to, to move in my life and keep changing me and keep growing me. And then they're evaluating themselves, and they're looking at their life and their condition going like, whoa, okay, so what, what was going on back then? How come I didn't get that back then, but I'm getting it now? And you're experiencing this healing of maybe a spiritual broken heart. Number three, getting a... Healing a broken heart, number three, is by getting from the one whose heart we broke a hope and salvation extended to us by our confession. Verses 15 down to verse 22. Look at verse 15. What's the first word there? What is it? The word but. It's a transitional word. And I'm telling you, if it wasn't for those three letters... And so David is transitioning once again, and he's getting some hope back into his life. He says, but for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. Can you see what's happening to him? Can you see where he's going? He knows that God's going to answer his prayer. He knows that God has always been there. He knows that God is going to come to his rescue. He knows that God is going to heal his heart. But there's a confession that's needed. Notice it, verse 18. Take your eyes to verse 18. What does he say? I confess my iniquity. Do you see that? What's he say right next after that? I'm sorry for my sin. 
I confess. There's a confession that needs to happen here. And the confession is bringing back. God is extending this hope and this salvation, this deliverance is coming back to God, to David from God because of the confession. Make haste to help me, verse 12. O oh Lord, my salvation, it says. Not only do we go to God with an honest and serious expression of our compromise, we give to God humble and a sincere evaluation of our condition, but we get from God an extended hope and salvation because of our confession. God is a giver of hope. It's all connected to salvation. When you got born again, you made a confession. Didn't you make a confession, right? I was raised in the Catholic tradition, and so there was confessional booze. So it was kind of, kind of something. <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody, but it was just kind of something. You know, and so you would go into this booth with the priest, never knew who, who he was or what he looked like, but you made a confession. And so when you became a Christian, you made a confession too. You repented. You say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. See, it's all the same thing. Your heart was healed in conversion, positionally. It was healed. Your sins were forgiven. You made a confession. You repented of your sins, and you said, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. I know that I'm separated from you. I know that I'm fallen. I, I know that I've... I have fallen far short of your glory and I need Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. Come into my life. That's a confession. You made that. But listen, since conversion, your heart was healed positionally, you can still have your heart hurt and broken all along the way, but it's the same thing. You're still going to make confessions. David's doing that. David's saved. He knows the Lord, but his heart's broken because of his sin. He wants a healing. He wants hope to come back into his life, and he wants this salvation. This isn't salvation from his sin in the sense of salvation or conversion or being born again. We're not born again, born again, born again, and again, and again, and again. He's not talking about that. He's talking about God coming to his rescue and delivering him once again from maybe the circumstances, the place that he was in spiritually, rescuing him out of the pit and from the darkness that he was experiencing again because he made those decisions, which we have done. Confession is all part of the Christian life. James 5.16 says that confession needs to happen amongst other Christians. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be, do you know what the next word is there? Healed. So that means that if you confess to another brother or sister where you've gone wrong or where you're struggling, you know, it's like, oh, man, we do this at Act Like Men. We're getting to that place. I mean, we're more vulnerable than we've ever been. But we're getting to that place where we're actually expressing ourselves. We're evaluating, you know. But what's happening is that we're making these confessions. We're getting to the place of saying things that are just really raw and really vulnerable. Do you know what's happening to the men that are doing that? They're getting healed. That's what's happening. But if you hold back your confession, I'm not saying you go confess to everybody. You don't go up to a stranger on the street, I just need to confess some things to you. You, know? and you, know, you just got to be really wise about that. But if you're going to hold that thing in and you're not going to say something to somebody else, confession, it happens in the community of the church. It should be. Maybe you went in a church situation, a culture, and it went sideways because of that. And you're like, that's the last time I'm ever going to be that vulnerable and that raw. And so now you're just kind of swallowing that all back inside. You're not going to be healed. You've got to trust the sovereignty of God again. 
You got to get back out there again if you want that healing in your heart. So here's what you do. You go to God with honest and a serious expression of your compromise. I hope that if you're unsaved today that you would do that. You would be born again. You would go to God, express your need for him, for forgiveness of your sins. If you are a Christian, you still go to God. And you just say, God, I've compromised. I've walked away. I haven't walked in faith. I haven't been obedient to you. I've harbored bitterness in my heart and lack of forgiveness. Number two, give to God a humble and sincere evaluation of your condition. Man, I'm really doing horribly right now, God. You know that. It's not for God to know that. God's omniscient. He knows everything. It's for me to know that. And so when I go, God, oh, I'm doing horrible spiritually, you know, it's good for you to say that. So if I ask you a question after and I say to you, how are you doing spiritually and you're doing horribly, what would you say to me? What would you say? And you're doing horribly. Great. Great. You won't ever get the healing. It won't happen to you. You'll walk the rest of your Christian walk in defeat, in pain. I hope that if I asked you that or my wife asked someone or you asked someone else and you had that relationship with somebody that you could be that honest and vulnerable, you would say, you know what, I, I really am struggling right now. In fact, we're going to have a song at the end. We're going to go to the Lord's table right after this. It's all part of praying for one another, making that confession, saying, I'm sorry, God, I'm, I'm not doing well spiritually, saying it to another person. That's going to lead to your healing. That takes boldness and courage. And then number three, get from God a hope and a salvation extended to you because of your confession.